Welcome to the Conversations with Christine podcast, where we discuss all things content marketing to help you get results from your content marketing efforts. I'm your host, Christine, and welcome to this week's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Christine. Today, I have with me Adrienne Barnes. She is the founder of Buyer Personas. Well, she works specifically with Buyer Personas. And she also has a newsletter called Persona Equals People that I'm going to link down below. She is all about customer research and how to include that process in the whole in the whole content marketing um journey that's not the word but the whole content marketing experience yeah. so I'm excited to have Adrian with me today and what we're going to be discussing is how we can tie customer research directly into the customer the content marketing experience so Adrian it's a pleasure to have you thank you for coming thanks Christine thanks for having me Yes. So I always like to start by getting to know my guests a little bit more. So can Mm -hmm. you tell me a little bit more about your journey as a marketer? What led you to this point where you decided, okay, I need to take a different path with content marketing and include customer research to make things more results oriented? Yeah, absolutely. So I started as a freelance writer um, Mm -hmm. about five years ago and was working with B2B SaaS companies and um, pretty much just execution side, whatever they said, hey, we need a blog post about this. I would go do research and write the blog post. Um, And then really trying to figure out as I got a little bit more experienced, a little few more companies working under my belt, um, I was like, "Who who are we really writing to? And how are these pieces performing? And you know, what is like the the metrics tied to like the, the needs of the people reading? Um, Mm -hmm. and usually a lot of the responses I got, some were great, some knew exactly. And then some were like, well, you know, it's kind of, here's a vague generality of your buyer persona. We don't really look at this buyer persona or, you know, here's some job titles and demographic Mm -hmm. information, uh, but really like in-depth jobs to be done or pain point type stuff wasn't very clear, at least Mm -hmm. on the person doing the execution side for me. Um, so then that is when I started working on being a content lead for B2B SaaS or e-commerce type companies that I was like, you know, we're going to start with the customer research. Everything we're going to, we are going to create is going to be, um, to meet a reader's intent, essentially. Like what do they need to read? Why are they here? So when I was developing that, that's also how Best Buyer Persona came about. So there are two separate services for me, um, almost even two completely different businesses. The, the content lead is a retainer. It's where I work on content strategies, really helping to execute. And then the buyer persona is like one-off projects where I'm helping companies um, identify their buy- best buyers. But the uh, processes are very similar for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still about understanding how to find out the answers to the questions we have about our customers. How do we talk to customers to really understand who they are, what their pain points are, what's going on um, in their lives? Why did they buy those kinds of things? And that helps me to create uh, content strategies, blog topics, large, larger content marketing campaigns, as well as a really informed buyer persona. So the processes are very similar. um, And it just came from a need of seeing that 
we didn't have actionable data when it came to creating these content strategies for people. Definitely. And I, I can clearly see how it's a big problem in the marketing world because there are some clients that I've worked with who just think that understanding the customer is about demographics Mm -hmm. and that does nothing to help us understand how to best create content. And it's not enough to do keyword research. It's not enough to base our content on these vague goals that have no tie-in with customer research. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't help us achieve the best results with content. So I totally appreciate that. But one of the things that I find to be challenging to do is to really align that customer research with the whole content marketing strategy. So kind of making sure everything is lined up perfectly to have the customer research inform the content strategy throughout all stages of the buyer's journey. So Mm -hmm. how do we actually get the customer research to align with content strategy? So when I am doing, for instance, like an interview, I want to talk to a few customers, kind of get an idea of what's going on. I'll just ask them like, what is it like? Why did you choose this product? What is it like using the product? Um, What are the frustrating things about the product? What do you love about it? What's, what do you wish was different? Um, you know, I ask a lot of onboarding type questions and every question that I ask for me Mm -hmm. is almost directly tied to, um, a part of the funnel and a blog topic. So if there are a lot of frustration kind of discussions, if we're talking a lot about like their pain points and how they're aggravated, well, on the content marketing side, I need to be able to either provide an education to help them work through those problems or um, I need to be able to actually um, demonstrate how, like, how to go about it a different way. Mm-hmm. So it's either technical type of like walkthrough content, or it can be light educational type content, or it goes to product and it's like, hey guys, we need to rework some stuff. People are really frustrated with how this is going. Um, sometimes if I'm asking about, like, they had, aren't quite sure how to get to a particular spot with their product. Um, maybe they know that something's achievable, but they're not quite there where they can achieve it yet. Well, I know that that then needs to become how we content or how to type content where I'm really, um, looking at other companies who have achieved what they are hoping to achieve and telling those people's story. Um, so, you know, it's almost like a case study type thing where you take another customer who has been successful with your product. You want to tell that story. You want to get in detail of how the product helped them reach their current day success. And then that becomes like a how we product, how we piece of content, how we achieved this thing. Um, all while meeting those, like you're really being able to answer those specific questions of like, I don't understand how this is going to get me to, you know, to Z, how I'm going to get to my end goal. Um, we're able to answer that via the content with the content strategy. And then, so that's how, when it aligns for me, when I'm in the, in the middle of an interview, um, and really when I'm creating my questions beforehand, mm-hmm. it's all about, okay, if I, if I hear this type of stuff, it's going to end up being like this type of blog piece. I really have to, um, generate it backwards. I start thinking about the blogs first, then we have the conversations and the conversations really then can lead back to like, okay, now I know exactly how to answer those questions or meet those needs that they, that they just mentioned. 
Okay, and when you say that you have to you have to think backwards, so you think about the blog topics first, and then you build the interview questions, then you interview, and so on and so forth. Does that mean then that you start with a content audit, like you look at what the the company already has, and then use that to build the content ideas, and mm-hmm. then work backwards from there? Yeah, sometimes it can be a content audit. It kind of varies client to client, and the and the type of product we have. So mm-hmm. if it's a really established company and they've been around for years and they've really cranked out content, so they've got a backlog of a bunch, um, mm-hmm. I will start there because also what I'm trying to do is not recreate, you know, the same type of content and I want to repurpose stuff. So I'll start with, you know, an audit, seeing what we have, seeing how we can repurpose it, seeing how it performed. If something did really well, okay, what about it did well? How can we, you know, continue to create the stuff that, performs well. Um, if they're a brand new company and they haven't launched yet, or maybe they've just launched and they're just not um, creating and generating a whole lot of content, then I actually start internally with more of a subject matter expertise type of thought where it's like, okay, we are um, internally to the company. You people know your topics. You know the subject at hand. Um, so what I want to do is I want to be able to pull out y'all's ideas bucket them into, you know, the buckets that they kind of belong into the topic clusters they belong into. And then Mm -hmm. that's how I'm going to now present us to, to the public and how I'll go and speak to customers and say, okay, what are the questions you have about these kinds of topics? What would you like to know about these topics? Um, so I'm using it kind of all to work together and with each other. Um, and yeah, it, it does start somewhere internally, like you said, either through an audit or through like the subject matter expertise type interviews and, and journalistic tiles type approach. I find that interesting because I've always thought of the research process as starting from understanding like the triggers that influence the customer to purchase, mm-hmm. um, the how the customer has used the product and how the product has changed the person's life. So I, so I look at that as a starting point mm-hmm. and then building the content from there. So I think your approach is very, very interesting. Uh, why, why do you choose that approach as opposed to starting with the customer's thoughts first? Yeah. So a very standard research practice for... and. So I guess I'll back up. The way I learned Mm -hmm. to do research is from like social scientists, journalists, um, just anybody who was trying to study people. I was looking into them, human behaviorists. And one of the first things that you're told, UX designers is another one. One of the Mm -hmm. first things you're told is really start internally, start with key stakeholders, try to figure out what, what is the hypothesis of the research project. If you consider a research project like a science experiment. What are the questions? What's the hypothesis of the research? Mm. Then you go off and do the research. Now we know really what we're trying to find. If you're looking for pain points and jobs to be done, like that's great. There are a lot of projects where I have where that's all they want to find. Um, but I like to start internally and say, okay, what are the questions we have about our customers? What's the knowledge that we currently have? What are the, the places we're starting from? Then go to our customers and say, okay, what do you guys need from us? How can we help you with these topics? How, how are you using our product? Um, what are your pain points? What's your buyer's journey? Like trying to uncover all of those things in a few interviews. Um, and then that's basically my, my process for a research project. So because I really learned 
via like a scientific method approach, that's why I start with the internal people, the internal stakeholders first. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I have a science background, so I should know better. But <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. So basically, you're building a hypothesis from the internal stakeholders and the content that's already there, if there is any content. And then you build your questions and you have the interviews. So how do you choose the customers for these interviews? I, I usually think of it in terms of four buckets of customers, but I want to hear from you. Like, how do you choose the people for these interviews? Yeah. So for a buyer persona, I choose mm -hmm. um, your greatest fans, your biggest enemies, and then what I call like mm -hmm. your meh customers. Like they're probably new. I should probably change the meh name because they're, they're <laughs> your new buyers. I want to talk to your new buyers. Okay. Um, and that really does help to understand a greater idea of your audience. For content strategy, I'm, it, for me, it's just like, who, who can we talk to? Who would be willing to share a lot of their experience? Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a brand new customer or a, you know, a long-term customer or anything like that. What I need to know um, for content strategy purpose, especially, is just what are your questions? What are your problems? How can we serve you better? Those are the mm -hmm. kind of the three buckets I see when I'm talking for content strategy. Um, so the, the content strategy research interviews are much, um, they're not as narrowly focused as sometimes the, the, the buyer persona type interviews can be when I'm really looking for the content strategy stuff. It's just like, tell me what it's like using this product. Tell me more about, you know, your struggles or your, uh, aspirations or your successes. Um, and so those stories become the strategy essentially. And I like that you spoke about the stories becoming the strategy because it's important to pull out the stories in these interviews so that those stories can help create content. Mm -hmm. That's correct? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So it's not only going to inform further topics, but those customer stories actually do become pieces of the content strategy. Definitely. So when we... When we move now from the customer research into building the content strategy and including the keyword research mm -hmm. for SEO purposes, because we can't avoid that, how, how do those things align? How do you get the customer research to align with keyword research? Yeah. So I do them a little separately. I mm -hmm. see SEO keyword research as an important tool. Like you would want to make sure you're doing it. You would want to make sure that you have accurate information. But I do not set my strategy North Star on keywords. Um, I mostly want to make sure that I'm serving those questions or I'm answering those questions and uh, serving those pain points of the customers or like telling our narrative story, thought leadership. There are a lot of different styles of content marketing that we can create. Um, but I want to know the keywords because if, you know, I should be saying tennis shoe rather than sneaker, then, you know, mm -hmm. what's the difference? Let's go ahead and say the right word. Uh, but I also use the language of the customers that I find through social listening or that we noticed during the calls. Um, you know, if they are using specific terms, that's what I want to make sure that we're emulating in the content that we create. Because we want to, of course, always be speaking the language of our customers um, and something that they're familiar with. So... The way I do it is I kind of, I do some quick keyword research, you know, the, the high volume, low density, you know, strong kinds of words that we can, uh, you know, in, in a very organic way, work into the content. 
and Mm then um, make sure that we're also focused on the customer's language as well. Definitely. And there is a comment that you had made on Casey Graham's post, I think it was last week or Mm -hmm. early this week, that I found interesting. I had wanted to ask you a question about it. Um, So I'm just going to read it for for the the sake of you. I don't recall this at all. So (laughs) this will be a fun exercise. (laughs) All right. So you said, Casey, when measuring brand effectiveness, I like to start with how my idea my ideal audience engages or interacts with marketing material. Do they on average share or comment, etc.? Measuring for brand, I also look at brand sentiment via social listening. Mm-hmm. So it's reverse engineering from knowing how your audience knows a brand to then measuring that behavior. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a very powerful comment. I don't know if you can elaborate on it a little bit. Yes. So Casey's question was how, well, can you read it so that I don't butcher it? What was Casey's question? I don't even have the question oh. here. I just put it on. Okay. That was <laughs> I'll, my... put, I'll put it up. <laughs> I think Casey's question was about like, how do you measure brand awareness? Essentially, how do we go about really focusing on brand awareness and then identifying whether or not we're being successful because brand mm-hmm. awareness has the tendency to just be this like arbitrary, vague, thing that we're Mm -hmm. just going to do. We're going to work on brand awareness. And it's like, okay, what does that mean? And how do you test it? So what I found has worked is to really understand who the audience is and how they engage with content. So I use tools like SparkToro and Audience. Mm -hmm. And so what I'll do is I'll pull my potential audience, throw it into the tools, and my tools will tell me your audience is more likely to retweet a tweet or um, not share the tweet at all, but click on it or they're more like to comment, or they're more like to, um, you know, some audiences are really funny. When I was working with developers, that developer audience, they were like, they're not going to share it. They're not going to like it. They're not going to comment, but their click-throughs will be amazing. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. So as a marketer, if I want to gauge its success, I would not, like, I would be depressed if I was setting the metric of retweets or organic reach on social media, right? Like I, we're, we, we didn't reach very many people. Well, the way you reach people on social media is to have it retweeted and commented and liked. Well, my audience doesn't want to do that. So mm-hmm. now we got to look at how many clicks did we get? How many click through rates? How many, you know, people were on the page? That's kind of what I want to do when I see brand awareness is really get specific with how my audience engages with content. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that I know that that becomes a KPI. So, you know, it could be a number of different things, but that's a very specific example that I've seen in my past. Um, and that helps me set up more like reporting and stuff for, you know, the marketing manager, the marketing director, whoever it is you're talking to and trying to say like what we're doing is working. Um, you know, you can set those up and say, look, this is how our audience engages. This is the type of engagement we've gotten lately. We're doing a great job or maybe not. We need to make some changes, that kind of thing. Right, right. And does that also tie in with understanding how to repurpose your content? I think so. Like if you don't mm-hmm. have an idea of your strong channels, your strong mm-hmm. platforms, um, then you're going to waste a lot of time repurposing content. I was working with a very small team last year, audience, the tool that I use, I was working with them on content okay. strategy. And mm-hmm. 
they're a tiny team and they crank out ton of content. Like, mm-hmm. like you, you'd think they were a team of 30. Um, I was always super impressed with them, but then we were trying to figure out how can we really, we've got so much content. How can we go about and really repurpose this and use it to our advantage and, um, you know, put it in different places and in different ways, which you always should do. And I found a repurposing sheet, like basically like, here's how you repurpose. And there were 150 at least different options of ways. And it was, you know, it was from um, an agency that really promotes repurposing, which, so that's their job, right? To say like, look at all the options you can do. But if you were the type of person who thought I need to go do all of these options, (laughs) then that's a lot of time. That's a lot of energy, you know, that you're probably wasting. Cause if your audience is on LinkedIn and you're going to create a LinkedIn article, you're probably not going to need to make a Snapchat of the same type of content. Like they're just Mm -hmm. not going to be the same type of audience Um, or even necessarily like a Quora or, you know, really discover where your audience stays, the types of communities your audience engage in, and then pick like the three to five most impactful. And then that's where and how you repurpose. Definitely. And you, and you said that you use tools like SparkToro and Audi, Audience mm-hmm. to um, get the data about where to find these people and what platforms to use, right? Yes, absolutely. They work, for me, they work for my purposes. They work really well in conjunction. Um, you know, SparkToro does a great job of like mm-hmm. saying, this is the type of content they engage with. Audience does a great job of like, identifying key segments and really like using more of that behavioral and demographic data, as well as Mm -hmm. saying, um, here's communities and places you can go find them. So I like to, to use them in conjunction and it's always worked out really well for me. That's great insights because I've tried to use SparkTor, but I think because I have the free plan, I don't get much out of it, but think I'll upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) I mean, it's not, depending on your, um, you know, budget, the, who knows what they are. I don't want to say they're cheap or expensive or anything like that, but mm-hmm. it, it is a cost. Um, and the free plan, at least with SparkToro, I'm not sure what audience's free plan looks like, but for SparkToro, you really don't. Mm-hmm. I think the free plan is just to get you used to like the mm-hmm. UI and like the look of it. Cause you almost get no information. No. I started using it when it very first launched and you mm-hmm. could actually get some stuff off the free plan, but they're experimenting and they've changed that. Now, so yeah, 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 it's very different now. (laughs) Yeah, but thank you, Adrian, for all of these insights. Are there any final thoughts or anything that I didn't ask during this interview that you'd want to elaborate on to close out? Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. You asked some really good and insightful questions. Um, you know, and if there are people out there who are trying to learn about creating content strategies or creating content, you know, even if you're not the content strategist, you can still be in a position to create content that mm-hmm. um, meets the reader's intent. So, you know, if you're a freelance writer or you're an in-house writer and you're just starting and you're trying to figure it out, you know, don't be afraid to just say like, Hey, who are we really talking to? What are their pain points? How do we, or how is what we're creating right now, not just meeting the needs of the company, but meeting the needs of our customers. And so if it's from top to bottom and everywhere around and everyone is consumer focused, then everything that you create is going to actually just be a lot more impactful, honestly. And that's going to be better for the business at the end of the day. Right. right. And I love that you mentioned the impact. It's, it's, it's important to create content that creates impact because if the content has no impact, then you've, you've lost the battle. 
So that's a very, very important point. Thank you so much, Adrian. I really appreciate you coming on. And again, I'm going to include the link to Adrian's newsletter. It's a really, really great newsletter called Persona Equals People. So I'm going to include it. Did I say the right thing, Adrian? Yeah, that's it. Okay. okay. (laughs) So I'm going to include the link in the description box below and you can check it out, everybody. Thank you so much again, Adrian. And I look forward to hearing and seeing everybody's comments about this episode. Thank you so much again. (laughs) 